Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Issues 2019. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Cody Charvet, Sedgwick County Emergency Management Trainer. Right, Cody? That's right. Make sure I get the title right. Training and Exercise Officer. There you go. Welcome to Issues 2019. Nice to have you back with us. You bet. Glad to be here. You know, we've seen some winter weather recently across Kansas, but... We are aware that the mid uh, the summer spring summer storm season is upon us. Well, Cody, you're the training and exercise officer, as you said. What does that mean? What 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 do you do now this time of year? Is it getting crazy? It's starting to pick up, that's for sure. Um, I tell the folks around the office, don't expect to see a lot of me for the next six to seven weeks because I'm going to be working very weird hours, uh, doing these training classes at night to. Talk to our folks out there amongst the spotter community and uh, also amongst the, the average citizens who just want to come out and learn more about severe weather. And we're going to get into those sessions here in just a minute. How long how long have you been with the county now, Cody? i just now uh, reaching the 20-year mark. <laughs> really? I uh, yeah. In a past life, you and I worked together. Right. That's been 20 uh, years. 20, yeah, isn't that hard to believe? That it, was. It is. You don't ago. look. You don't look a lot older. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it's kind of a left hand. Uh, yeah, kind of exactly. Uh, now, are you funded entirely by the taxpayers of Sedgwick County? We are indeed. Okay. Yes. Well, although we do apply for and uh, occasionally receive grants, uh, so some of the programs that we're doing, we've, we've got a grant that we're working on this year. Its uh, initials are. HMEP, Hazardous Materials Emergency Preparedness. We're using that to fund some training classes and a series of exercises. And we're going to try and get that grant next year and even more money out of it and and do even more with it. Now, is that a federal grant or a state grant? It is a federal grant that's passed through by the state. So the feds give it to each of the 50 states, and then they are allowed to divvy it up as they see fit among the applicants. How many employees do you actually have in in your department then? Right now, we are at six full-time employees. Four of them are, are dedicated to the emergency management side of the house, and then two more of them. They, they work with us in emergency management, but most of their duties lie in public health emergency preparedness. Okay. Then where are your headquarters? We are in the Public Safety Center, which is at 714 North Main. We're co-located with the 911 Operations Center. They're upstairs, and we have the Emergency Operations Center downstairs. Is that a bunker? Well, no, it's is not it, anymore. Is it completely bomb and yeah. and everything? You know, it used to be when we were in the basement of the courthouse. We were actually in an old fall out shelter, a bomb shelter, if you will, and uh, felt pretty secure down there. Of course, it was dank and musty and smelly. But uh, a few years ago, I think it was 2007, we moved into this new building. And um, what what they have to do, because it is such a, a, a critical facility with 911 and the Emergency Operations Center, we had to meet some very strict FEMA guidelines in order to build it above ground, because the water table was only eight feet down there. So we weren't going to be in a basement. So we've got Extra thick seven-layer laminate glass around the outside of the building to repel storm debris traveling at 115 miles an hour. We've got a special roof that's supposed to withstand high winds and curve the roof over it. The contractor said that the weakest point of our new building is where it actually hooks to the foundation. So if it ever does get hit by an EF5 tornado, he cannot guarantee it'll still be right there 
but wherever it is, it'll be in one piece. Be one. <laughs> now, EF5 is the biggest, the biggest right. tornado. And good gravy, we certainly hope that never happens. Oh, man. I, I, Even an EF1, we don't want anything no, like that. No, right, especially through the heart of Wichita. Right. We, we've been lucky for a lot of years, we, knock on some wood around here. Yeah, yeah but, you and I have been around a long time, and yep. we've seen them over here and over there, but not right down to the middle. Closest so. we got, or the most recent close strike that we got was 2012, the April 14th, 2012 tornado that uh, hit Oaklawn. Uh, touched down just outside of Hayesville, moved through Oakland, did a little damage on Spirit before it lifted over East Wichita. Yeah. Okay, so you've got the your, your headquarters. Do you ever does uh, does emergency management have other buildings? Uh, what have you got for vehicles? Well, we do have a fleet of right now three vehicles that uh, stay with the the staff. We have in the past have emergency vehicles, and we still have some, emer- I'm sorry, uh, what I meant to say was volunteer vehicles that are uh, with in our fleet. Okay. Uh, we right now have our uh, our van for our races team, which is our amateur radio folks. They've got a command van that they can take out into the field if they need to help with communications. That's just parked up down at the fleet yards right now. And then we've had some um, light trucks and generators that uh, Bentley Fire Department has taken over those, and they're housing those for us. Do your duties extend beyond weather-related challenges? Oh, absolutely. Uh, of course, the, the title, training and exercise officer. So I, I'm, I'm not necessarily teaching all the classes that we scheduled, but I'm, I'm putting them on the schedule and, and getting folks notified that we've got this training coming up or that training. Uh, work with exercises, developing them, running them, uh, and others doing the staff as well. Our new planner, David Baker, does a lot with exercises right now as well. And I'm doing some stuff with planning, so it's a little bit of crossover there. But uh, I think the funnest part of my job is the community outreach because a lot of folks don't know what emergency management is all about, and I get that. We like to be behind the scenes. If we're forefront and center on the newscast, something bad has happened. Yeah, so we get scared. Yeah, we're, we're happy to stay behind the scenes, and so I get to go out and do a lot of presentations to civic groups, neighborhood associations, that type of thing, and teach them about the basics of preparedness. And, and again, what I'm saying, though, is it's it goes beyond weather to other kinds of disasters. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, sure. You have to be prepared for a lot we, of stuff. We, we use an all-hazards approach. Uh, basically, if, if you forget about the trigger, what causes the event, it's the effect that we're preparing for. It doesn't matter, okay, if your home is going to be without electricity for the next week, it doesn't really matter if it was a tornado that took it out or if it was an ice storm that took it out or if it was a transportation accident that, that took out a, you know, a whole mile worth of transmission lines or something like that. The result is I'm going to be without electricity for a week. How do I deal with that? And that's what emergency management is about, dealing for the effect or preparing rather for the effect, not the cause. We, uh, you know, winters have been pretty mild in this area. Well, actually, all of my life, but pretty mild the past few years. Now, what would trigger a winter weather emergency for you? Well, probably uh, something in the in the neighborhood or in the nature rather of uh, an ice storm that causes extensive power outages because then people can't stay in their home, they can't prepare meals, they can't take a hot shower, that type of thing. Uh, so we'd have food to look spoils. Yeah, food spoils. Yeah. Uh, so we'd have to look at opening, at the very least, warming shelters. Um, we could get to the extent where we actually are, are opening shelters where we house people. We've noticed a lot, though, in the Midwest, anytime there's some type of event where you would think, okay, we've got to open shelters, people need, need a place to stay, we don't get a lot of folks going up to that. They, you know, they're going to turn to their neighbors, their friends from church, their family in the area. Relatives. Relatives, yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and go stay with them. But we work very closely with the American Red Cross, and if we ever need that resource, it's going to be there. I assume that you also work closely with law enforcement, fire departments. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 
there are, of course, our, our main partners in disaster response because we've got to get a handle on this on the situation as quickly as possible. It's always about life safety first, then uh, scene stabilization, and then preservation of the property and environment after that. And that that is A, B, and C. That's all fire and, and police partners there. Now, uh, do you assist in training them uh, we, for training for disasters? The, the we police? do outside of you know, their normal academies. I'm not going to teach firefighters how to fight fire and law enforcement how to do traffic stops. But we can get them training in in other things. For example, uh, I mentioned that HMEP grant earlier. One of the things that we're going to do with that is uh, provide a a, a hazmat technician class, which is an ADR class, two full weeks of of instruction, very rigorous standards that have to be met. And it usually will cost a lot of money. But through this grant, we're not going to be the instructors for it, but we're the facilitators for it. We're getting, we're using the money to bring in a vendor and, and get these these firefighters for both Sedgwick County and Wichita Fire, and then some volunteer firefighters as well. We'll get that training free of charge. I know you're probably not going to answer this and saying, "Oh, we, we stink." Uh, <laughs> how would you, how would you assess, Cody, the county's preparedness for emergencies of all kinds? I'd you've say, been at it for a while. What do you think? How uh, how prepared are you guys? I'd say we are as prepared as any city of our size could be. I mean, there are always going to be variables that you just can't plan for, but I'm very confident in our level of preparedness around here, and not just the emergency services. One of the things I tell people when I try to explain what emergency management does, we're charged with making sure that our entire community is ready for these disasters. And one of the best ways to make sure the entire community or the whole county is ready is to make sure individual households are ready so that we don't have a lot of people standing in line to go to shelters or to get bottled water because they built a kit. They have their own supplies at home. And, and we do a great job of reaching out to these people and letting them know what they need. And there's always more to be done. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but um, but we're, we try very hard to stay on top of it. How about you, you uh, professionally and personally, do you receive continual education? Oh, is yes. Is there something to learn all the time? Absolutely. And what, you know? In fact, it's a requirement of my job that I re- attend so many uh, training classes every year just to keep on top of it and you know you take some of them over because it's classes I took 10 years ago when I started in emergency management I don't remember some of that stuff so yeah we'll we'll go back yeah and things do change yeah there's updates the the um, uh, federal emergency management agency uh, has guidelines for something called NIMS the national incident management system and there's a whole series of classes that that go with that and that all the curricula for all those classes are being updated and released this year so there's going to be a lot of revisiting some of that for us uh, and I would did, were you in this line of work when 9/11 happened I was working for the county, but I was working as a, a 911 dispatcher did things change dramatically to you or well, not not to emergency management. Yeah. Yes, okay. I I wasn't involved with it at the time, so I didn't see it firsthand. But I, I've heard, and and they still, you know, they all still to this day. There's all kinds of references. Well, this came in after nine one one, and and we started yeah. doing this after nine eleven, that type of thing. So it was a new ball game. It was a new ball game. The, just the uh, the Department of Homeland Security itself radically changed things. That was a result of nine eleven. They're listening to Issues 2019 on the Intercom radio stations, and our guest is Cody Charlotte, Sedgwick County Emergency Management. And I want to just talk about weather for a little bit, Cody. Sure. What, what do you need to see in order to pull the trigger for an all-hands-on-deck emergency? Well, we have various levels of activation for our emergency operations center, and 
it, it's we're gonna we usually don't go from zero to sixty unless something just pops up like an explosion or yeah. you know a serious traffic accident with a chemical release or something like that. But if we're talking about weather, what we'll usually do is start at the lower end, a partial activation. We're I'm sorry, not even a partial yet. We're we're in the monitoring level. Okay. The weather service will tell us, okay, this particular day there's a high threat for tornadoes. To develop later today, so we're maybe keeping a little closer eye on the radar and and the weather patterns as they approach Sedgwick County. Now, let's say storms have started to fire down in Harper County and they're moving on a northeasterly track. So now maybe we go from just simple monitoring to a, a low-level partial activation where we bring folks into the EOC. We can keep an eye on the storm as it approaches and maybe be proactive instead of reactive. If it looks like it's going to move right over an area where we've got a fire station or an EMS post, we move those those assets out of the way of it. Now, it's not just a possibility now that that thunderstorm has actually dropped a tornado in, in Sedgwick County and we've got damage occurring, maybe even injuries or fatalities. That's the point that we're going to issue an all-hands-on-deck call and get folks in there. You know, and I've got to interrupt you for just a second, sure. but I would imagine that uh, the sophistication that we're seeing uh, with weather forecasting now, with the radars and the computers and all that, I mean, you can just turn on the TV and any of our local stations, they are on this stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if it's in Oklahoma, they're starting to mm-hmm. tell you about it. So you get a good a good warning now, right? You do. And, and it doesn't matter who you watch. They're all equally good. Uh, we have a great relationship with all three of the, of the television stations. Uh, we try and keep you guys on the radio side of the dial. Uh, well, we can't show you a picture, but we no. can sure tell you what's yep, something. Yeah, exactly. Doing, so. um, used to be you had the great advantage because you had those mobile spotters out there in the yeah, field. Yeah. Now all the, the TV stations are doing that as well. Yeah. So, But, yeah, we keep in constant contact with them. Um, there's something. There's a specialized chat room, which I know you know about. It's called NWS Chat, National Weather Service. Yeah. And it's very limited access to that. You have to have the right credentials to get into it. But once you do, you have instantaneous communication with, with everybody in your media market who's watching that. I can remember very specifically getting a report from one of my spotters in the field. It comes across my headset. I type it into NWS Chat. We've got the TVs on at the front of the room. Within 10 seconds, 10 seconds of me hitting enter, that information is being read back to me across the, the TV. Yeah. I mean, you can't beat that. Uh, let's talk about a hypothetical now. You, sure. You, you, tornado touches down in the county. Mm-hmm. You know there's injuries and big mm-hmm. big building damage. You've already done you're, you've already done the groundwork. But what's the first thing you do when you hear that, Cody? Well, we have to you figure out sound some big alarm or what? Are well, you, yeah, you know? we're going to get people in. We're going. We have a, a mass notification system that triggers an alert to everybody that has a, a desk in the EOC. And then even some agencies, they're not going to respond to the EOC, which is Emergency Operations Center, sorry. They're not going to respond, but they need to know that we're activating for a disaster response. So everybody that has a desk in the room, we tell them, you need to send a representative now. They need to come in, and we all operate in silos, and sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad. So, but when we get there, the silos are good. We say, look down your silo, look down what's happening with your agency right now, figure out you know, what? how are you impacted? Have you lost people? Have you lost buildings? What do you have in terms of assets? How many people are working the disaster right now? And how many people are still in reserve that can handle the rest of the routine calls that are going to continue to come in or that we can shift to disaster responses needed? And then look 12 hours down the road because 12 hours from now, if it's as bad as we think it is, everybody that's working now is going to have to be gone and a whole new set of people are going to come on. So if you don't have the resources to do that, we need to start thinking about that right away. Just the way you're talking to me, it means I know that you, when that trigger's been pulled a time or two, that you, you, you felt the adrenaline. Oh, and it's heck. like, 
everything becomes kind of slows down. It you does. You know what you need to say to every person. You just did it for me. <laughs> you, know, you just did it for me, and and I know that that's the way it happens. Yep. You get the old rail and rushing, away you go. Yep. How, have you been on the scene of a few disasters then? We don't do a lot of... I'm talking about you personally. Right. I mean, yeah. We don't do a lot of on-scene appearances because most of what we do is going to be behind the scenes in that EOC. Yeah. We leave the incident command to the, the first responders out there because they know how to, to deal with those type of things. What we're doing behind the scenes is incident support. It's multi-agency coordination. We're bringing together... All the, the decision makers, the, the heads of these departments, we, we don't have a, a, uh, you know, a sheriff's captain in the EOC. We have yeah. the sheriff. You know, we don't have a, a police captain. We have the police chief type of thing. People that are in charge of these departments or their, their immediate deputy who have the authority to make decisions outside the norm. Yeah. If we have to issue a curfew, for example, after a tornado strikes a neighborhood, we need the decision makers, okay, you know, who has the authority to issue that, who's going to enforce it, that type of thing. If we need to order in certain uh, supplies that we don't stock, you know, if we need a heavy crane to lift uh, debris out of a, out of a rubble pile, the county doesn't own cranes. So, you know, <laughs> where are we going to get one, that type of thing. Now, purchasing is going to help with that. And, that's all kind of set up beforehand, too, in our emergency vendor books. You talked about this. I want you to elaborate just a little bit more. The, sure. The media. I'm not talking about radio, TV. Uh, how important is that? Uh, what, is that, what does that mean to you guys? Oh, that they are a huge partner. How important, yeah. They are very important in disaster response because the biggest thing is going to be calming the public, reassuring the public, letting them know. What it's maybe it's not time to call them. Maybe it's still time to I don't want to say panic, but it's still time to react. You know, it's it's time to to move to safety or something like that. And the best way for us to get that information out is through our media partners. You guys can can broadcast uh, to a lot of people, not just in the Wichita area. We have access to the emergency alert system, and we could push out a message on our own, but we are restricted that that message can only go to Sedgwick County. For example, if I wanted to issue a wireless emergency alert to te- cell phones, I'm not allowed to hit any cell phone towers outside of my county. I can only hit Sedgwick County, whereas you and the media can tell fo- warn folks who are coming in on the turnpike or from other directions of the state and, and it's a huge, important piece for us. What has been the level of cooperation with the media for you? I think very high. I'm, I, especially on the weather side of it, I have a great relationship with all three of the chief meteorologists. You and I go back a long time. I was going to say, it probably helps that you have, you've done this yeah. before. You've been on this side of the microphone I before. I worked at KFDI yeah. years and years ago, so uh, still get along with those guys out there. So, yeah, it's uh, sorry to throw up that other station oh, in there. Yeah. You know. We'll edit that out. <laughs> okay, later. there you go. <laughs> but Yes, it, it absolutely does help to have been on both sides of the mic. What uh, what role does social media play in what you do? And ever-increasing. Bigger, yeah, oh, bigger and bigger, right? Bigger and bigger every year. And we have a great Sedgwick County Communications Department that is more than willing and more than capable of taking on that component of it. Because if, if we were relying on me to get those social media updates out there, forget it, pal. It's not going to happen. But But they do a great job of that for us. Uh, now, you conducted, this is really why you're here, an annual series of severe weather safety programs, mm-hmm. Cody. How many do you present in a, in a year? It varies from year to year. This year I've got a few extra folks that have asked me to come out and do it as a continuing education for their employees. So uh, by the end of, of the run, I'll probably have done it about 25 times, mostly for the small towns and communities throughout Sedgwick County, also the Air Force Base. Uh, we'll have a big one for the city of Wichita itself on, on March 5th. That one will, we host, we sponsor, but it's actually conducted by the National Weather Service. 
Now, how, now who goes to these meetings? Well, we get a, a wide gamut of folks. Uh, last night, or I'm sorry, when the first program I had, let's go. Okay. Uh, there we go. The first program I did, uh, I asked everybody when they got there how many were at their first meeting, and about half the hands went up, maybe a little bit less. We had a very strong presence from the Valley Center Fire Department, Police Department, and these guys have usually been to quite a few of them. So I've got my my volunteer spotters who are there, the folks that we really rely on as the weather starts moving in to, to be out there in the field, to put their, their safety, own safety on the line to keep the rest of us safe. It's very important for them to be there. But it's also just as important for members of the public who have no intention of going out and chasing these things. They can show up too, and we're going we're gonna to relate, you know, make it relatable to them so that they can recognize when things are turning bad. That cloud's one I have to be worried about. That one, not so much. It's just scary looking. It's not actually harmful. Yeah, and uh, sometimes I would imagine you can make them a little less fearful with with knowledge. You that, know, ex- yeah. absolutely. That's the whole goal of it. The more you know, then the less you know, less concerned you're going to be. If you're able to recognize storm features, then you know it can stay off some panic. Do you take that same presentation and give it to schools, or is that something you get involved in? I have given it to schools um, with not a, a lot of success. It have to be a, a high school. Age yeah, fairly, to, fairly but, an older audience then, yeah. Right, but uh, even then, I, I don't know, I don't want to <laughs> disparage today's youth, but attention spans aren't <laughs> what they used to be. And when I've, Really? Yeah, when I've got to try and keep their, their focus on something for, for that long, it, if, if, if they're weather, you know, weather savvy or interested in the weather, I don't have any problem. And I, I, I told one reporter that she asked me about age ranges of this, and I've told her, seriously, some of my most attentive and some of my best uh, audience members have been young kids that were just obsessed with this. And so it it is for all ages. Now, you touched on this a while ago, and I want to ask you a question about this. You you spent some time as a dispatcher. Mm -hmm. How how long were you a dispatcher? Ten years there. Ten years. Mm -hmm. Now, what was your impression? What is that like? It would seem to me that there's, there's at times, a lot of pressure, maybe a lot, other times not. What's it like, Cody? It kind of depends on which shift you're working. Yeah. Uh, when you work first shift, things are really busy when you first get there uh, with early morning medical emergencies and, and uh, traffic incidents on, on the commute and all that. Then it usually will quiet down during the day. Depending on the season, it gets really quiet sometimes, and other times it just barely levels off. If you're working third shift, again, you're really busy when you get, get first get to work and up through about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And then folks are home from the bars, folks are off the roads, and it quiets down quite a bit. The last four years I was there, I was second shift supervisor. And on second shift, it just never stops. You're busy from, from start to finish. And the folks here in Sedgwick County just do heroic work in dispatch because they are this is hard to explain, so I hope I, I do it justice. They are the largest call center in the country when you look at population, the largest call center that is still a combined dispatch center, meaning that the dispatchers are expected to both be a 911 operator and a police, fire, or EMS dispatcher. Okay. And that is so hard. You cannot believe how hard it is to take a phone call with somebody screaming because there's a heart attack in one ear, and now you've got officers chasing a car or shots fired or, or even just routine traffic in the other ear, and you have to listen to both of them at the same time. They're doing great work down there to try and get away from that. They're adding more call takers all the time so that the 911 dispatchers, I'm sorry, so that the radio dispatchers don't have to, to take as many calls. But 
It's then, great. And then now and then you got a call from a from someone like me <laughs> from the media. Yeah. Well, the supervisors deal with that. Yeah. And I always try to keep it short and right to the right to the point because I realize their time is very valuable. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I want to get as much help as I can from them, but I also want to realize that hey, they got a job to do as well. well listen, you got a website? What's, what's the website? Do we just at Sedgwick County? Sedgwickcounty.org. As uh, all the website address they let us give out because we want everybody to go to the main page. And then when you go under the government tab, there is a, uh, a link to every department's website after that. And you can find emergency management there. And once you do, you can find tips on planning and preparation and all those types of good okay. things. Hey, listen, Cody, thanks for spending some time. It goes by, doesn't it? 24 it does. Minutes. Wow. Guest is uh, Cody Sharvet, Sedgwick County Emergency Management. And that's all for this edition of Issues 2019. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.